Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Dave. And Tori. Hello, Internet. We start every week with good thing. Uh, Craig, Craig, save me from Dave's intro. <laughs> this is the part where Mike's ready to scrap the whole episode because he can't. He, he said can't. we weren't allowed to go for three hours today. <laughs> well, that's your fault. Oh, we may as well not go for one. If All we right. Can't make it to three. Uh, in effort to not go for three hours today, I have two good things today. But you're lucky because they're <laughs> seven. They're they're short. Uh, one, I started watching Sandman. Guys, pretty good. Yep, um, I finished it last week, and yeah, pretty good. It. If, if I'm on my you... third watch already. Wait, really? Wow. I mean, I don't know if I mentioned on the show. I have read it a number of times. I I own um the 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 fancy leatherback version because I like it so much. So uh yeah, I'm. I'm not like an expert. It's actually been quite a few years since I last read Sandman, but watching it has made me want to do a reread. So I might have to do that. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty good. They did make some minor changes, but you know what? It works. It seems to work pretty good. I can't speak for the end because I'm only up to episode eight. Um, but so far it appears to be the first two volumes that that are collected. Um, so that's some good stuff. Um, it seems like my wife's getting into it. Uh, she has not read the Sandman at all. Meanwhile, I being a fan, I'm noticing a lot of things. It makes me excited for future stories to see what they're going to do. So uh, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I just recommend for those of you who are watching it and might know anything about Sandman, you might actually do know something about Sandman. Do yourselves a favor. Do not let the last episode of the night be episode five. Not because of a cliffhanger, but for other reasons. Don't watch that one last. Save it for the next day or make sure you can also watch episode six just as a palate cleanser. Um, yeah, that's that's all I will say. It's not a bad episode by any stretch, but you don't want that to be the last episode you watch. At yeah, night. Was, was it, that the diner episode? That is, yes, yes, that the, is diner. the diner. I was okay. going to say, if you if you've read it, you know which one we're talking Uh-oh. about. Like, you don't even have to watch the show and you're going to be yeah. like, oh, I bet episode five is the diner. Like the moment gonna... it started, I'm like, we shouldn't watch this. Uh, we did anyway. That was last night. I'm like, I I even warned my my wife. I'm like, this is probably the most disturbing story in the book. Uh, and here we go. So anyway, like I said, it's. It's it's done well. Uh, that's I can at least based on the character from Mike Tyson's Punch Out, right? No, it's actually technically it's based on Doctor Destiny, but they couldn't use that on the series. So yeah. Anyway, uh, my other good thing is Dead Cells. I finally got to play it, and you know what? It's pretty fun. Dead Cells. It came out like two years ago. It's another Metroidvania roguelike, but you know what? It's a lot of fun, especially when you get flowing. Uh, and things just come together and you're like, man, I'm good at this game. Then it's a lot of fun. Then when everything falls apart, you're like, ah, it's a runner. So, yeah, then you're not good at this game. Then oh, you're not. Dave, the character you were trying to think of uh, was actually Soda Popinski. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, 
Anyway, so my good things are I do recommend Salmon. You can watch it on Netflix, at least as as of this recording. I don't know if they'll actually release it for purchase outside of that. I hope so. It is really good. Hey, you know what? Even if you don't watch it, go read the comics if you haven't done so. They're yes. from the nineties, but it, it still it still fits. It still fits. They good. are they are stories about stories and why we tell stories and how we tell stories and who we tell stories to. And they are the best version I've come across of that. And f- and for the record, I think so far of the eight episodes I've watched, episode six is my favorite, which is the one right yeah. after the diner. But that yeah. one is like uh, that. That's so good. I mean, the character actually both of them are really good. But, you know, the first character that you meet in that episode uh, is probably my favorite in the whole series. So good stuff. I'm trying to be vague. I apologize. Moving on, Dave, go. Oh, yeah, my good thing. So uh, we have a listener in our Discord server. His name is Brady Flanagan, and he has a podcast of his own called Rogue Life. And it is about a dude named Benjamin Bowers. It's an anagram of Bowser. I don't know if that's intended, but uh, Benjamin Bowers. And he's stuck in kind of like a rogue-esque video game scenario where he wakes up one day and it's like a science fiction space game and he wakes up the next day and, and then like he dies and then he respawns and it's cowboys and then he respawns and he's in like film noir or something like that. Um, it's it's very cheesy by design. Uh, so if you're into that, I highly recommend it. It, uh, it has some deeper plot threads and Benny starts running into people from his real life past and and things like that. And uh you know, there's a whole overarching story with it as well. Uh, a lot of a lot of pop culture references and a lot of humor in it. I, I really enjoyed it. It's a great time to get into it because season one, uh, the first 11 episodes, complete season one, is already out. You can go listen to it wherever you find podcasts. And Brady is currently working on season two. And uh, in, I think, close to the final stages of uh the and the the first draft writing of season two so it's a great time to get into it and catch up on season one with season two um somewhere up there on the horizon rogue life wherever you find your podcast neat Uh, i guess it's my turn uh so my good thing this week is a movie from 2010 called the losers uh it's based on a comic book of the same name Stars Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Zoe Saldana and Chris Evans and Idris Elba and Jason Patrick. Like, really phenomenal cast. And it's a lot of fun. And I just rewatched it today because I found out it was on Netflix. What's it about? It's, Aside from the cast. Uh, I mean, the cast is the big draw. This is this is one of my favorite Chris Evans roles. Is this um, just like a goofy comedy movie or what? No, it's it's an action movie. They're mercenaries left. Like, it's basically the A-team. But with the serial numbers filed off. But they, so they're the B team. Oh, I have seen that. I have seen that. Yes, check it, it out. was fun. It was fun. I agree. Um, it super doesn't pass the Bechdel test. There are two entire female characters in this whole freaking movie. They never meet. So, yeah, the losers. Um, it is the best use of Journey's Don't Stop Believing in a movie that I've ever seen. <laughs> which you can just look that scene up on YouTube and it's, it's, it's totally worth your time if you don't want to watch the whole movie. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's my good thing. The losers 2010 Tori. Uh, my good thing this week is yet another T Kingfisher novel. Uh, 
It's called What Moves the Dead, and it's another one of the gothic horror kind that she writes. This one is a retelling of the fall of the House of Usher. Uh, I don't remember the original fall of the House of Usher having zombie rabbits in it, but this book does, and she makes it work because she's a talented author and she can do things like that. Um, so What Moves the Dead by T. Kingfisher. All right. I guess none of us have anything to say about that. Uh, don't know it? Yeah, same. So, Dave, you finished, yeah. you finished the last published Stormlight book last week, two weeks ago. What are we doing now? No, uh. You mean we didn't read Rhythm of War? No, it's Oathbringer. There's nothing after Oathbringer. There's only three <laughs> Stormlights. Oh, yeah, because there are three shards on Roshar. There's one book for each shard. The first one centers on honor. The second one centers on cultivation. And the third one centers on odium. But we do have a novella, and the novella is entitled Sunrise is Difficult by Brandon Sanderson. It's sure. It's in your notes. Yeah. Dawn's hard, you guys. That's why I wake up at noon. Dawn's hard. I get it there. Okay. I was like, why is it called Sunrise <laughs> is difficult? I'm like, Dawn Shard? Dawn's hard, you guys. <laughs> Alright, that's my one joke of the episode. Chapter prologue. I thought Yalb was dead, but I should have known better. Yalb and Doc. Sailor's friend. First dream. Uh, yeah, remember Yelp? He didn't die. He just just was inside a boat that turned into water. He just and then he got out. <laughs> he drowned just a little bit, though, not all the yeah, way. Yeah, but he he's he he remembered he knows how to swim. So this guy Doc is on a ship with this guy Yalb, whom we've met before, and they see a an inverse ghost ship. I guess you could call it. Uh, this is First Dreams. This was the ship in one of the interludes in Oathbringer. Uh, oh, the so one it's a real ghost ship. Lady. It's a ship without a crew. It's a ghost ship. It's uh, it's, it's remember Smoke Lady who went to Iamia? It's this is her boat, I think. We read right. about this boat. You are correct. Ship. My grandfather would always get mad at me whenever I said boat instead of ship. Well, he was in the navy, so it's true. Those are different things with different meanings. Well, you're a librarian, so you know all kinds of words and meanings. Yeah, but everything on the water is a different word with a different meaning. Why can't we just call it a bathroom? Why can't we call it left? You know, what's wrong with the left? All right. Anything else for prologue or prelude or preface? Did you talk about the sailor sprint? Uh, they're not real, Craig. No, no, That's no. Just a joke that Yalb was playing on that. They're very real, and I will bet you on that. That's what Yelp does. I giggled a little just now. <laughs> okay. Anything real else for chapter prologue? Are you happy to see Yelp again? He was pretty cool, I think. Wasn't he also on the ship that Shalon took to Carbranth in the beginning? Yep. He was her guide through the city to the um, library place. Yeah, it was pa cool. The Palineum. I'm glad he's not dead. Oh, why'd you say it, Dave? Oh. I'm you glad he's words. only mostly dead. These words those, are not accepted. Those are the words. <laughs> he was as dead as Yasna. The words are, I was about to retire tomorrow. The words are, no body, no crime. No body, no crime, Sean. Not only was he as dead as Yasna, but he was in 
the same the same ship as Yasna. No, Yasna supposedly died. I think he was less dead than Yasna. That's true, and definitely less dead than Sulfrena. Yeah, I think the scale goes Sulfrena, then Yasna, then Yalb in terms of deadness. Yeah, right, because we didn't see Yalb get stabbed. That's All right, let's, let's move on. Yasna gets stabbed. All right, chapter one. Uh, I think I see the Lopin in this illustration. Guy, you, uh, I just noticed. Floating in the air. <laughs> totally is Lopin and Rua. Yeah. Because you can tell because there's like six arms or something. Spoiler. Oh, sorry. Let's get. Let's move on. All right. What is a Larkin? Some sort of flying chicken with a carapace? It I tried to look up. It's not a. Ch- you can see it in the art. It's like a dragon crab. Yeah, yeah, it's on the so, cover too. I thought this was like a bird. I thought a larkin was a kind of bird in real life, but I guess I was thinking of a lark, not a larkin. So mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. it's related to that somehow. Also, isn't this bird from First of the Sun? Hey, 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 Dave. Let maybe me let me not. help maybe you. Maybe it's from Iamia. If it has an actual name, it can't be a bird because it. It's some sort of crab creature because they can describe it. If they didn't know how to describe it, it would just be a chicken. That's how you could tell the difference. Yeah. I don't remember where she got Chiri Chiri from the Reshi, I guess. It was she, from the she, turtle back town. Yeah, when she ended up getting in her accident, it was sort of like a, a gift. Okay. Well, that's that's what they were there to trade for. Oh. Oh, no, right. they were there. They were there to trade for a dead one, but the island was so impressed with her negotiating skills that the island gave her the living one. Uh, okay. Well, I guess I just thought because it was some weird invested critter that eats stormlight. I guess I thought it was a chicken. Maybe someone else called it a chicken. I don't think anyone ever called it a chicken. Yeah, that was just Dave. you, Dave. It, yeah, Dave. it was all Dave. They know what chickens look like. Don't be silly. Yeah, they're green, have colorful plumage and big yes. hooked beaks. See? And bright we all eyes. know what chickens look like. Wait, chickens can be green. Just watch Moana. Uh, yeah, I probably should do that. That's a good thing. Anyway, keep going. All right, Cheery Cheery is like the opposite of Lyft. Support group. Is this based on real-life wheelchair progression? Talik knows stuff about Iamia. Larkins used to be big, yo, but the peoples hunted them. Akina, the lost city, home of Cheery Cheery. Haven't I read that name recently? Time to visit the PCs. All right, so Cheery Cheery is like the opposite of Lyft. Why did I write that, Craig? Uh, because he only eats Stormlight oh, from Gems. Because Lyft eats to create Stormlight and Cheery Cheery unstormlights to create eat. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. Couldn't have said it any better. Yep. Uh, support group. So Risen has been in correspondence with uh, other, I think, sort of all-female support group, other women that have uh, been paralyzed as she is. And, you know, so she gets ideas about different technology that they're using, different ways that they cope and just uh, keep their their morale, help each other, encourage each other and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. I, yeah. I think that was a nice touch. I mean, we have the Span Read Network which is sort of like a, a proto World Wide Web. So it's good to have some sort of, I guess it's close to a bulletin board system. But uh, yeah, like this is clearly what you would get together and talk about. Yeah, they have their own, they have their own uh, Discord server, you know? All right. I wish and wheelchairs actually existed Discord. Yeah, well, they're inventing wheelchairs. I mean, they have chairs with wheels in the front and pegs in the back. 
They have um no, that's it's backwards. The wheels they have little wheels in the back and pegs in the front so that the porters can push you around and Yeah, they and have those carts to help you move boxes. That's what they have right now. It's basically like a reverse wheelbarrow. Carts to what? But anyway, Craig, do you know anything about real life uh wheelchair technology progression? I do not. They actually have like these old peg leg two wheels and then before they moved on to the the ones with the big wheels where people could propel themselves around. I will say that according to Wikipedia, there is a picture of a Chinese. Apparently, Confucius used a wheelchair, according to this print, and that there is a slate in China and also a Greek vase that shows a wheelchair on it, like a picture of a wheelchair. And that is from like the 5th century B.C. Those aren't the type design with the big wheels in the back where people can propel themselves around. Well, it looks like so the one that I'm looking at, which is from 1680, uh, it, it is like someone in a wheelchair, but someone is pushing it. So I don't think it's ones that you can wheel yourself. Ah. Uh, but first, OK, here it is. In 1655, a paraplegic watchmaker built the world's first self-propelling chair. Uh, so that was in 1655. Well, that's like a rocket chair, I think. I think it looks like you used pedals with your hands. Like, that's how you moved it. So the one that we're used to seeing came late. I'm trying to find out. Modern wheelchairs. 1933 was when a mechanical engineer came up with the the ones that we see today where, you know, with the 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 wheel that you can actually spin with your hand. Pretty cool. Yeah. I'm actually curious about the design of a wheelchair and how it actually works. But it's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, Risen is another example of a character that uh, Brandon Sanderson writes, uh, particularly seems to be a theme in Stormlight, where he, uh, uh, you know, focuses on uh, people that have uh, different abilities, you know, like we have Kaladin being depressed, and I thought that Dalinar was epileptic at some point, but I don't know. That <laughs> might have just been Storm Visions. Other examples. You guys read the books. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yes, I definitely haven't been spacing out for several minutes scrolling through Twitter while you were talking about something. What? Hi. All right. So, Talik knows stuff about Iamia. Iamia, remember, is the home of the crab people. You know how way back when. No, no, no. I the said... crem people. The crem people. Ew. <laughs> All Say. of Roshar is the home of the crab people. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no, the ones that are made up of Kremlings, that's uh, Amia. Kremlings? What is this, Donkey Kong Country? That's what they're called! They're called Kremlings? That's for Donkey Kong. Those are the alligator people. Wait, am I wrong now? Dave is having me second-guess myself. No, they're definitely know. called Kremlings. Yeah, cr- but it's with a it. C. It's with a C, not a K. Oh, it's different. Okay. I probably made this remark before when I first saw the word Kremlin. You 100% did. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, Iamia is where Axis the Collector and the other guy are from, you know, the crab, like the, the other guy the from Iameans. Whip Story. They're where the Iameans are from, yeah. Okay. Well, we've gone over this before, but I'll go over, go over it again real quick. There are three types of Iameans. There are. Dicean Iameans, which are the Kremlin people that you're talking about. There are the other one, they have a name, but I've forgotten it, Iameans, which is what Axes the Collector is. And then finally, they're just humans who are from Iamea. 
Axis well, the Collector right? is a Saya Iamian. S-I-A-H. Asia. All right, anyways, Crab Town. I forget why uh, Talik knows about that, but uh, Talik is Risen's attendant. He's kind of new, still getting no, the hang not of... not Talik. Talik is the Reshi. Oh. Uh, Her attendant is... It begins with an N. I don't, I don't have See, You don't know right either. Now. All right. Anyway, I... I guess Talik's a different person that showed up. I forgot. Talik, Talik is, is the Reshi prince. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then... Yeah, I have heard the word kind of recently because of Smoke Lady. And it's time to visit the PCs. We have a meeting with Navani, Cal, Colin. Let's go. End of chapter one. Hey, spoilers, Dave. They're the NPCs this cha- this book. And Navani Colin is the recently crowned queen of Urethiru. I guess that must have happened after Oathbringer. Well, they got married, and then there was a big war, and but then they went back no. to Urethiru and crown themselves didn't i know elicar was planning to make talonar king of erythru i don't remember if he ever officially did it or didn't he write a letter and he's like if anything happens to me open this letter and tell people that you're the king of erythru if he hadn't done that he wouldn't have died i mean that's just basic storytelling yeah and yasna is the queen of alethkar whoa didn't see that coming alethkar so this she's not only a queen, but she's also the mother of a different of a queen of a different place. So like, man, Navani's got some clout, yo. And she lives in the clouds, yo. I mean, Yasna's title is currently less impressive. She doesn't have a country that she is a queen of. She's a queen, but there's no Alethkar that she controls currently. Oh, well, yeah. There's still people thereabouts that might listen to her. You know, they're, like, running for their lives and stuff, but, you know. Chapter 2. What needs of Navani can Risen meet? Soulcasty Smoke Lady. Iamia scrambles Windrunner power. Let's see that crab burb. Navani always get what she wants, so rip Risen. The mission to get a new hover chair. Alright, Craig, what happened in Chapter 2? Uh, Risen had a meeting with Queen Navani. All right, chapter three. She's essentially setting it up like a trade mission because that's essentially what it is. And I sort of like her approach uh, of what needs can Risen meet because if you can fulfill a need, then, you know, you're able to make a more successful trade deal in that respect. Um, So they talk. Do you guys know what I need right now? A break? I need to hear. I need to hear the 90s cartoon X-Men theme because we're talking about a hover chair. Yeah, I was singing Professor <laughs> X as well. Oh my god! I almost wrote it, but then I was like, uh, only, "That's the only iteration where he actually has a hover chair." I think uh, it's from the comics originally, but like as far as oh, really? adaptations I I go, in the comics, maybe in anyway, the later comics, he had a wheelchair. They they talk about that weird ghost ship that they found in the prologue, and how there was a rogue soulcaster that was on the boat, which is like, "Hey, we wanted to actually try to recover it." The soulcaster, either the person or, of course, the actual object, which is also called a soulcaster. So they were still hoping to uh, capture it, which is why they sent Windrunners there. But unfortunately, they couldn't get close to that one island that uh, that they were talking about. Um, Akina? Yeah. Uh, Navani yeah. asked the sea, Cheery Cheery, to take a look. And it's, like, interesting because you usually don't see Larkins this large. Like, it's larger than usual. But or uh, unfortunately... All. 
He's a little bit sick, um, although he does have no problem eating all the light fixtures in the room. Um, he's a good little crab, not burb. Um, anyway. All burbs are jerks, especially crab burbs. So Navani wants to send Risen with her boat and a couple of windrunners over to the island because they can't get close through air. And it'd be nice. Just, you know, dock, you know, this, this is an easy in and out. Just dock, take a look, grab a couple artifacts, get away. Easy peasy. No problem. Um, and then, of course, Risen's need is for a hover chair. So it's like, hey, I heard you've been working on something super secret. Do you think you can do the same thing for me? So that's how the chapter ends. Uh, I just have one question. So when Professor X is in the Savage Land, then he can walk around. His legs work, right? Like the Savage Land drains the mutant powers of people. Is part of Professor X's power being paralyzed? Like, is his mental capacity just so great from his mutant powers that it interferes with his ability to walk? That's kind of how it works in the first class series of films. I don't know how accurate that is to comics. I don't know. Well, in the 90s cartoon, uh, Magneto and Professor X go, go to the Savage Land and Professor X can walk around. So I wonder if will Risen be able to walk around once they get to Akaina? Like, she... Is it going to like drain the Lopin's ability to fly and her ability to need a wheelchair? Uh, her ability to need a wheelchair is not tied to investiture, so probably not. Wasn't there okay. a thing where, like, before he went, he had gotten like a clone body and transferred his consciousness to because they thought it would let him walk, and then he still couldn't, and they didn't explain it, or maybe they did, and I don't remember because it's like twenty years ago. Movies. I don't. Mm, I remember. Mm, I don't. Know. I remember at the end of the Phoenix Riseth. I think Professor X transfers his mind into, uh, you know, a person who's a, in a coma or something. And then I think like Moira McTaggart was there. I, I hear Mike's trying really hard to stay under three hours right now. Hello and right. welcome to the We <laughs> Vaguely Remember the X Men Universe <laughs> podcast. All right, uh, what's next? Chapter three? Yep. All right, chapter three. The Lopin has grown even extra arms. Was two not enough? That's not the Lopin. Sure it is. Rula has the be? extra arms, not the Lopin. No, nah, I. If you go back and look at the image. Okay, I'm looking at the image. Place right before chapter one. It's the Vitruvian Lopin. Uh okay. Yeah, Lopin, so there's, he has two so arms. You can see the Lopin. He's, like, way off in the distance, flying near the mountains, nowhere near the ship. Wait, and what picture are you looking arms. at? The one before Chapter 1. No, so we, that's Rua. Risen. Why is Rua so far away? Rua is a little honor's friend. It's just perspective messing with you. He's not flying far away. He's <laughs> next to Lopin, and Lopin's pointing. He's so far away, that's why you just see him as a silhouette. <laughs> that's not the Lopin, the guy with the four arms? It's just the Wax and Wayne cover all over again. Well, the Lopin has four arms, but he only has two forearms. Yep. A bunch. Right, so this is Nacho. Then I guess the, the chapter heading icon is actually Nacho and not the Lopin. Correct. Oh, that's disappointing. I was looking forward to the Lopin growing some extra arms in this book. 
And he only ever saw himself three, with two arms. In chapter three, Rua has as many as like eight arms at one point, I think. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> so, you know, for you know, sometimes you just need some extra arms. And then other times he decides to turn into a crab thing. So, you know, you just Yo, got a crab, crab thing had six legs, I think. You just got to arm yourself sometimes. All right. Oh, did I did I make a joke about that when the Lopin regrew his arm? Like, oh, the Lopin arms himself or rearm is rearmed or something. We should go back and redo that episode. Just so you can make that joke. Yeah. Chapter three. The Lopin has grown even extra arms. Okay. Rua, the Nacho, King Ralna, the Flying Talik. Kaladin was going to grumble. <laughs> I like that part. King Dustbringer. It's not the Lopin's fault he'd spent too long at lunch. It's Odium's. Although, this was actually... This is kind of glossed over in the book, but it's pretty, uh... You know, Lopin pushing off the blame of being late for this meeting on on the cook. It's, uh... It's getting, you know, it's it's a theme. You cannot have my excuse for being late. He better be careful. That that kind of attitude is a vodium. All right. Where's Huyo? Be careful what you say. I will, the Lopin promised quickly. Pick me. <laughs> I like that part, right, too. I love this line where he says, pick me. And he says, I said it for old time's sake. And I was like, oh, that's funny. He's calling it old time's sake because he said it like 10 seconds ago. But then I realized, no, he's actually probably talking about the time Kaladin picked him out for Bridge 4 way back in the beginning. That's some old time's sake. Oh, that's that is pretty clever. I didn't it was think kind about of that. like it's it's kind of funny and he's like, uh uh-huh, it's old time's sake, remember? Because I like just said it. But then also, yeah, it does harken back to when Kaladin first picked him for Bridge 4. It larkin back. Happy anniversary, Numihuku Makiaki Ayalunamore. Where is Cord? Who is Cord? Up and let's go. Up and Atom. Uh, Cord is Rock's daughter. Cord is Numuhuku Makiaki Aya Luna Cord. I, I, th- oh. <laughs> I, I, think, I think she's the eldest of his kids. Am I mistaken? Yeah, I, I think so. I thought that yeah. might be the case because she can see Spren. So I was like, oh, maybe she's she's a horn eater. Yeah. yeah. So and the only the only horn eater who. Uh, we know about is uh princess penelope Ganelope, redheady mcgetty steal your boots lady and mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. and then numi lunamore's kids and his wife but i imagine numi lunamore's wife also wants to stay home for their anniversary so okay look numi luna wife i'm not gonna say her name uh i'm gonna post it in just general discussion general discussion I'm not going to pronounce that, but her name is a poem about a wedding band, hence the name Cord. The Adam Sandler movie? No, no, wedding ring, like a wedding ring. Oh, like Bands of Mourning. No, those are bracelets. Actually. And you're thinking of Punch Drunk Love, Craig. (laughs) Am I now? I'm going to make you punch drunk. That's something that Soda Popinski said, and we've come full circle. Anything else to add for chapter three? I would like to hear uh, Dave pronounce. Is this Cord's name that you posted? It's Cord's name, yes. Okay. That is Cord's name. Look, I will pronounce it first so you can see how much I butcher it. Hua Linam Lunanaki Akilu. 
pretty good. Hualinam Lunanaki Akilu. Hualinam Lunanaki Akilu. Hualinam Lunanaki Akilu. Lilu Dallas multipass. <laughs> My second one was best. Hualinam uh, Lunanaku Akilu. And there's going to be one hour of Dave trying to pronounce that name just so he remembers it. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Here's a video. Here's the recording I made of saying the word job over and over 63,000 times. I made it while I was practicing reading the dictionary. Job. Job. <laughs> All right. This uh, reminds me of that MCU pack that you you helped record, Dave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so... I wasn't expecting <laughs> oh it, and Sorry, then you MSU, not MCU. So Somebody use it on speed gaming? So... For those of you who don't know, uh, there is a randomizer for Zelda. Uh, I, I run it. Dave plays other randomizers. Um, he used to play Zelda. Uh, this is linked to the past, by the way, but they make other randomizers. Anyway, the point is you can make your own music pack, which when you go into different locations, it will play different songs. And Dave made a very special music pack for Link to the Past randomizer. That is all I will say. Okay. So... Dave sings, quote-unquote, sings in it. One thing that I glossed over here in my notes, uh, for chapter one, this says, Larkins used to be Big Yo, but the peoples haunted them. It reminds me a lot of the Great Shells, as seen at uh, the Shattered Plains, right? So yep. you guys remember how I, at one point, theorized that the Great Shells were actually a different stage of i guess evolution if they're pokemon a different stage of metamorphosis for the parshendi of their life cycle yeah of their life cycle yeah i remember uh, you thought it was parshendi that were tied to it yeah but maybe i was right but not parshendi but rather i like maybe one of these actually yeah but apparently the parshendi were actually just competing for gem hearts to have the power of gem hearts or they were just power of love. Or they were just using the Alethi greed to catch them out and try to kill them. No, they were also trying to harvest the gem hearts. Yeah. Uh but not okay. for the same reasons. Well, for the same ultimate reasons, but not using the same methods, I should say. Or right, not yeah. making fabrials and stuff with them. So the uh listener I'm sorry, the singers and Iameans are both native to Roshar, correct? Correct, I believe. Uh, not, not the humans. Hold on. I'm going to look that up. Okay. Well, anyway, maybe there's still... Maybe the Iameans and the singers are still related somehow. But yeah, I bet you these great shells... But there's also just regular Kremlings. They're actually just also regular just jerkwads, like little crab dudes. Are you sure about that? I don't know. I'm not. Because a lot of times they are actually just Iameans, but... I mean, my assumption is that every single one that has shown up on screen and been mentioned has been one of these Dicean Iameans. Or a, I, a part of one. I don't believe the Iameans are native to Roshar. Well, so, that's that's incorrect. So, the, like, Axis the Collector, the Saya Iameans, they are native to Roshar, as in they were born there, but... I don't think their race existed before the humans, you know, came over. I can't really speak for the the Dicean Iameans. They're they're weird. I guess that's something to look forward to finding out what you're talking about. Anything else for this week's chapters of Dawn Shard? Uh, we have spoiler time. 
Well then, I will see you all later. Have a good night. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Dave is gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Okay, so right away. Um, so the Sleepless slash the Dicean Imeans are from an unknown planet. That's where they come from. Because, you know, their whole purpose, as you know, giving people chance if they're in spoiler time, they shouldn't be listening to this. Yeah, they're Dan. Out, <laughs> they're out there to protect the Dawn Shard. So uh, they, they can be found through multiple different systems in the Cosmere. But there's a bunch of them on Roshar. So how many Dawn Shards are on Roshar? We know of definitely one, but... I I still think there's only one on Roshar proper, given we don't really know of any other location that's sort of weird on the planet. Uh, But I I suspect there could be another one on one of the different planets, like maybe on Ashen. I don't think there's one on Braze, but there might be one on Ashen. So you think this Dawn Shard that we that we explore in this novella is the one that Malisha used to trap by Beido Mishram. This is, this is change. Correct. That's what this one is. Is it? I don't remember. Uh, let me see if it's on Risen's page. Ask me again in like three weeks. <laughs> you mean after we know, uh, about the Dawn chart, where is the Dawn chart upon a mirror? The Dawn chart contained within, okay, let, me, let me just go to Dawn chart wiki change. The will of a god to remake things, to demand they be better, the power to change. That is Risen's thoughts on her Dawn Shard. So she currently holds the one of change. It could be the one that's used. I mean, it is change. Like, it's it's not completely unheard of, so I, I could believe it. When do we know when Aimea became all weird? When, did uh, that when it was scoured. Yeah, when was that? Scouring of Iamia. At some point, a scouring occurred. This is, I'm reading the Coppermine wiki. Uh, at Iamia, however, what exactly occurred and why is unknown. And the exact time is uncertain. It happened after the recreants. So at some point after the recreants was the scouring of Iamia. So they might have had access to the Dawn Shard before then. Uh, honestly, I, I've i only read Dawn Shard once before um, when we actually talked about it on this podcast when it was released. So I'm looking Same. forward to this reread to sort of see if I could pick up some things that I missed the first time around. Yeah, it'll be nice for Dave going into uh, Rhythm of War with the context of Dawn Shard instead of like we did, which was mm. starting it off without the context of Dawn Shard and making bad assumptions. Did Dawn Shard? Oh, because we had the preview chapters of Rhythm of War, right? Yeah. So Dave won't be able to listen to those. Because um, I know we talked a bunch about, well, not a bunch, but there were a couple of spoiler times where we talked about Dawn Shard. And then we went into Rhythm of War. Okay, well, yeah, Dave's just launching right into it. So I do have some bullet points. Not not many. This is a quick episode, as you mentioned. So the first one Dave already pointed out, uh, I just highlighted in a prologue where they described the ship, the first dreams that appeared. And talking about how it just vanished five months prior, which, like Dave said, that is the one that the Soulcaster was on who turned into smoke. Which they explain that pretty thoroughly in these chapters. I yeah yeah like when I first read the just the prologue, I was like, oh, is that the is that the ship? That's the ship. And then I was like, hey guys, that's the ship. And you guys were like, yes, you're you're very cute, and you patted me on the head. And then I read another chapter and was like, hey, it's the ship. 
Uh, anyway, the next one is in chapter one. I highlighted her reaching for the span read communications that came in from women around the world who, like her, had lost the use of their legs, which we talked about during the episode. I think that's nice. I like that there's a network. And honestly, the thing I like about this, um, like as a reader, is I appreciate the world building here. Like, it's very easy to just sort of get into a a notion of who your characters are and what they do, that you could sort of become a little bit more narrow-minded in terms of how your world exists and how people can interact with it. So this is a great touch where it's something you don't normally think about uh, for a number of people. Uh, like as a reader myself, um, since I don't I don't happen to, to have any anything like this, it's a nice touch, I think, to see how people communicate about this, uh, for them, this common issue that they have. It also sort of sets up a communication network that Kaladin can tap into once he becomes a professional thera- therapist. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I, I think is, this is a nice touch of world building, and I do really appreciate it. Which is obviously where his character's going in book five. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, I believe this is chapter one again. Risen had been kept watch for the secret... Oh, she had been told to kept watch for the secret Alethi project that Vestim had told her about. Um, as she carried onto the plateau that connected the Ten Oathgate ramps, she spotted it. The plateau had sheer cliffs on both sides where engineers were constructing two large wooden platforms. That is Bridge 4. The fourth bridge. Is it called the fourth bridge? I thought the, the ship proper was called the yes, fourth bridge. Yeah, it's called the fourth bridge. And then, I like, ruined it! I'm the, fired. The original Bridge 4, like the planks, made up like the center of the deck. Yeah. That was chapter two, by the way. But um, that's a nice touch. We don't see that until Rhythm of War, where we get to see it in flight at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and it's a raft in space. In the sky. Space. It's not in space yet. Space raft. Continuing on, uh, this is talking about soul casters. The devices were rare and extremely powerful. Most kingdoms had access to only a handful of soul casters, if any at all. This is curious. I didn't realize how rare soul casters were until I did this reread. I didn't really think about it. You're told how rare um, the shard blades are. And of course, Alethi have like hundreds of them because they're the Alethi. Of course they do. But it seems to be the case for the soul casters as well. The Alethi have most of the soul casters and very few are owned by other uh, nations. I didn't really think about it before. I mean, that's going to change, of course, at the end of this book, because there's like a wealth of soul casters here. But this is, to me, this is also setting up the similarity between Soulcasters and Sharpblades. Because similar to Sharpblades, the people don't know where Soulcasters came from. Uh, they they just sort of know how they work. Like, it's, to me, the Soulcasters, it's, it's clear to me that the Soulcasters are similar to Shardblades. I'm not 100% certain they are Shardblades yet. But there's a possibility that that could be the case. Because not everyone I, has to be I a thought, frontline fighter. I, I thought that... They were shard blades. Like I, like yeah. Got a puppers. I like the. Yeah, they're barking at something. It's good to to have some dogs on the show. They like to wait till I'm recording to freak out about things that aren't there. Uh, anyway, no, I thought we had confirmed that um, soulcasters were dead spren, um, like shard blades. But not necessarily like dead spren, as in the bonded spren. Like it could be an entirely separate class of dead spren. I thought we had confirmed it. So, anyway, that's my theory also. I want to know 
Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to read the Coppermine wiki. Oh, then let me do my thing first. Okay. Uh, I want to know where the healing fabrials are from that one Dalinar's vision with the Smoke Panthers. Wasn't that just Night Radiance using Regirth, or no? Well, they had a the the one that was doing it had a had a thing on their hand with, with blowy bits. Uh, Maybe that... that's the answer, Mike. Maybe that is a Soulcaster, and when it actually has a live spren, it looks more like that. Or it could have just been fancy night radiant jewelry, and uh, Dalinar didn't have a context for regrowth at that time. Also possible. But yes. I'm leaning towards that that was somehow that Night Radiance Spren transformed in such a way as to simplify the regrowth process. So once once Lyft gets her shard plate, then Windle doesn't have to be a doesn't have to be a a, a shard rod anymore or a shard fork. He can be a shard glove. I would like that. I think if she can like create things rather than destroy, I think he would appreciate that. Anyway, the 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 Coppermine wiki doesn't actually say that's definitely what they come from, so I think it's just a theory. You heard it here first, folks. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on. Uh, and then they talk about speaking to the the Reshi Prince, who says the Soulcaster thought that Iamia, as the ancient home of Soulcasters, might contain secrets to healing her aff- afflictions. So this is also the first hint where they're like, "Hey, Soulcaster came from Iamia," which I mean, is sort of half true. I mean, there's a, there's a cache of soulcasters there. We know that, and I think weren't the the sleepless like giving away some of the soulcasters just to keep people like occupied. Like, yeah, you totally found some soulcasters. Good job, guys. There's nope. nothing else here. They had um, valuable looking but worthless um, gemstones artifacts. Okay, I, I knew there was something that they were like trying to encourage people. Like nothing too exciting that people would send back bigger expeditions just like enough to be like hey here's a little bit of something now go away okay uh chapter two again talking about cheery cheery beyond that the enemy had creatures known as fused who used the void's own light cheery cheery fed on that just as eagerly as stormlight so cheery cheery is able to also use void light which we know is light from investiture from odium Whereas Stormlight is investiture from honor, which is interesting because that usually a being like it needs to eat certain things because it's a certain rhythm to it. This is all from Rhythm of War. So the the investiture has like a different wavelength, if you will, which would be a sound. But actually, it might be just a wavelength, not not, not really a sound. It's it's an actual light. So it'd be a different wavelength of light. But apparently can just void light. Is that weird or is that does that seem fine to you guys? I don't know. I highlighted it. Nothing. I'm, I don't know. I'm still not sure why light isn't just light. It all comes from the spiritual realm, as long as it's got a an appropriately shaped container. Like I don't, I don't get it. I can describe this for you, Mike. So you know how when you're a kid, uh, you might have uh, like you're not even a kid. You can have like stained glass or something. You can hold it up to a flashlight, and it changes the color of the light. So you could just cover a part of a flashlight with a red stained glass, and then you see red light, or you can cover it with green, and it just shows off green light, that sort of thing, right? Okay. Well, that's sort of what's happening to Investiture. The Investiture comes from the spiritual realm, but it's essentially filtered through a lens of a shard. So when it comes through Honor, it's Honor's wavelength. And if it comes through Odium, it's Odium's wavelength. So it's just 
if if you were to tap in investiture in the spiritual realm, it would probably be raw investiture doesn't have any sort of rhythm slash light wavelength attached to it. But by the time it gets to the physical realm, it has to be filtered in some way because there's only certain ways to get from the spiritual to the physical realm. I like this explanation. Yeah. Keep in but mind, it, I'm it's guessing. Also, it's also making me think of that Pink Floyd album cover. <laughs> um, this is just my guess, but I, I think that to me is what makes sense. So take it as you will. Okay. Uh, moving on. This is chapter three, uh, the Lopin chapter. Intimidate, Lopin said, then glass to Rua, who grew six arms and used all of them to smack his forehead at the stupidity of the idea. I just like the fact that he has a six arm head smack. I love that. Like there are times when things happen and I wish I could grow four extra arms just so I can smack my forehead. And Jean-Luc Picard could do it in one. So could Seth. <laughs> There's the meme of Picard doing it one, but there's also the meme where someone just drew a bunch of extra arms so Picard could do multiple arms. Oh, man. Yeah, but Zeth, Zeth does it with one. He does it just fine with one. As often as I've wished I had multiple arms, never for that purpose. Um. Okay, so this is continuing. Uh, this is, who is this? Talik, I think, talking to... The Lopin. We now realize this transformation. No, this is, I think he's talking to Risen. We now realize this transform transformation is in relation to a spren he has been seeing. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. This is Talek talking about the king. Okay, sorry. I had to figure out what was happening. I just wanted to highlight that the king happens to be a Night Radiant because I honestly forgot this whole plot of the book. But apparently the king is a Dustbringer. I, I didn't remember that. Like, I thought the only Dustbringer we had were on Taravangian's side. So here's another one, guys. I I forgot about this. Did you guys remember this? I uh, did not remember that, no. I read the chapters this week, so yes. I <laughs> meant before that. <laughs> no, no, I, I lost almost all of this novella. Um, I highlighted, I just love the interchange between Calden and Lopin. Lopin, Calden said, with another of his long-suffering Captain of the world size. <laughs> I, this, <laughs> it's just a perfect description of Kaladin, and he has a captain of the world size. It's, dude, chapter three is just a gold mine of stuff. Like it's it's Lopin. So yeah, of course, there's just so many good things in here. Okay, and then finally, I did one one important thing. Uh, to pull up one thing though. Okay, um, it was a lot for one man to track. This is. This is Lopin talking about Kaladin, how there were so many. Well, he's talking about Bridge Four and Co. Uh, there were so many um, Windrunners now, and they also have squires of their own. He says it was a lot for one man to track. They were long past the point where Kaladin could go with every team to watch them personally. It seemed to be tearing him apart inside to let them go, which this is Kaladin's problem. It was a reason he couldn't say the fourth ideal in the last book. Um, just, just as a refresher, his fourth ideal is I accept that there will be those that I cannot protect, or at least that's the one he eventually says in Rhythm of War. So this is hard for him. And he has to figure it out. We dig into this a lot more at the beginning of Rhythm of War. Yeah, but I just wanted to point it out here that even the, the fact that other characters that, that are close to Kaladin see it, like they are aware of Kaladin's problem, but even Kaladin himself can't necessarily accept that this is a problem, at least not yet. 
eventually he will say the words. Not that saying he just automatically accepts it. Part of, you know, these ideals is you, you're you saying the ideals and you know what they mean, but it doesn't mean the problems go away. It's it's a challenge that you have to follow these ideals and it gets really hard. But Kaladin does eventually say the word. So I just wanted to highlight that. So that's it. That's my last bullet point. Neat. I like that Kaladin regularly assigns minders to the Lopen. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. But... And oh, oh, yeah, I did want to talk about that briefly. Dave did point it out that there was a bit of a theme there about Lopen not really, you know, listening, paying attention, just blaming other people for things. I mean, we're going to see what his ideal becomes. And that's that's sort of the point. So, yeah, it's we don't get a lot of screen time with the Lopin in, in the real novels. Like he usually just pops up in an interlude and then he has like some comedic relief scenes. So actually getting into his mind and seeing how he interacts with others when Kaladin isn't around, I think is sort of key to understanding what his ideals will become. So I'd like to believe that there's like a weekly rotation of whose job, whose turn it is to keep an eye on the Lopin and keep him out of trouble. Right. Like they're looking at the duty roster like, what do you got, <laughs> KP? Oh, man, I'm on Lopin duty. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lopin's like, oh, no, man, no. Lopin, Lopin duty's the best duty. I'm just picturing the guy with Lopin duty being like, hey, do you want to trade? And the KP guy like, um, not nah, nah, man, I'm good. It's KP. Count and protection? Uh, kitchen. Oh. <laughs> wow. There's I have also... a feeling it's it's mostly like Rock keeping an eye on the Lopin, uh, maybe a couple of the others. In this case, Hoyo. There's also latrines that like always need cleaning. All right, uh, that's all I had for this week. Yeah, I'm I'm also done. We're Me on, too. I'm done. We're on novellas and not you know finishing up a thirteen hundred page novel. So it he calls it a novella, but technically this is a novel. This is a novel length novella. Yes. I mean, it's good. I feel like we could take a little bit of a break. It's a little bit of a breather. But it's not it's a fine. Sanderson novel length. <laughs> he has a different definition of novel, apparently. Uh, he rates long short fiction. Anyway, see everyone next week. Good night, Internet. Bye, everybody. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.